What's up, sober family? Welcome to I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye, the podcast for newly sober people learning to love ourselves instead of booze. No one's ever going to complete me. You know, I'm a complete individual. But that's not, that would never even be a good partner to look for support, the, the completion from another person. And if you think about it, that idea of a soulmate, it's really kind of the way that people put it. If you're not looking in the mirror, and doing the work on that soulmate. That is your soulmate. No one's ever going to know you as much as you know you. But you put that on somebody else. That's kind of a dick move. Today, my guest is Jason Lachance, host of the awesome Knocking Doors Down podcast, among a variety of other online media ventures. He's a California native, a father of two teenagers, and a passionate advocate for all things recovery. His story and outlook on life will give us some much-needed encouragement as we move through the holidays. I'm your host, Dana Kroll. I'm a former Army chaplain who developed a toxic relationship with alcohol after leaving the military. I stayed on a roller coaster of rock bottoms, recoveries, and relapses until finally, in the winter of 2022, I found my way out of the cycle by connecting with people like you. After kissing alcohol goodbye, my goal is to never go back, but I can't do it alone, so let's break up with booze together. With me in the studio, as always, are Al K. Halfrey, my spirit animal for sobriety, and off-camera taking a nap, as usual, is Spruce, my PTSD service dog. And uh, yeah, before we get rolling, I just want to quickly say, listen, if you're new to sobriety and you're looking for a group of people to be your sober community, please, please come and join the I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye Sober Family Facebook group. The link is in the show notes, or you can just search in Facebook groups uh, by just typing in I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. And now, with all that said, let's get rolling with Jason. Thank you, brother, for being here uh, with me. And I'm so excited to have you as a guest. I love it. Thanks for having me, Dana, man. That's yeah, a man. real pleasure to to make correspondence with you. And and hopefully we, uh, this conversation we have that, uh, unfortunately we can't sit and have coffee doing it in I person, know. but, uh, we, you know, drop some stuff here that helps at least one person. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited to hear your story. You know, maybe we had talked about you just starting with your origin story and seeing where the conversation goes from there. Uh, and, you know, kind of tell us as much or as little as you want. And I'm just eager to hear, uh, you know, about your story of addiction and how you've uh, been navigating recovery since. Sure. Essentially, I come from a long line of addiction, both sides of my family. Um, my dad's side, uh, you know, I've got an uncle that is not here anymore because of his addiction. My dad's only brother. Uh, my father was an addict, you know, that dual diagnosis, not only uh, addict, but uh, sex addict as well, um, which doing some family digging on that side runs with men in our family, oddly mm. enough. So that's a pretty interesting thing, which I do uh, and have done work with sex and love uh, addiction as well. Primarily pornography for me at the age of about five, six years old was my first exposure to hardcore pornography. And I mean, hardcore and that was actually, I would say, the last substance I got out of my life. And then on my mom's side, uh, alcoholism, drug addiction that, that ran there. And I have uh, an aunt and uncle that are no longer here due to the disease. And uh, my, my grandfather, my mom's dad, died an alcoholic. Uh, cancer took him, but uh, it sure as heck didn't help. So, uh, you know, it's a long lineage thing for me. Ironically, seeing my dad, you know, growing up, I... You know, I, I remembered, you know, hangovers or stuff like that, but I never actually saw him use, but I sure saw the come down and uh, the DTs and, and a lot of that stuff. And, and I will kind of blow people away with the unstable home, the trauma. I, I did, I was molested between six or seven. 
um, not a family member. And, and fortunately, it was a one time incident thing. But uh, it definitely, you know, was the origins of me, me feeling like I was the outsider and didn't fit in and something that I didn't know how to talk about and didn't want to burden, uh, you know, my mom with I wasn't really close with my dad, even though my parents are still married to this day, we got closer in mid to late 20s once my dad got sober. And, you know, at that time when this occurred, my mom ha had had thyroid cancer. So she was sick all the time and, you know, the chemo and everything else. So it's just kind of a perfect snowball, really, Dana, of a lot of different things that really made me just shut up about how I, how I felt. Uh, you know, I felt very much uh, seen, not heard. And I went through the majority of, of schooling um, that way. You know, there was some acting out, you know, maybe class clown crap and stuff like that. But <laughs> but nothing, I didn't really get into trouble. And I really avoided uh, drugs and alcohol. I think the first time I actually tasted alcohol was maybe a cousin's wedding, a sip at about 17. But okay. I didn't really start drinking uh, until 22. Okay. Um, I was kind of a late bloomer. It just wasn't a thing that, that I, I, I always kind of shied away from it. I, I, you know, I had situations of, of because I was uh, always looking for someone to fulfill me. I had many a, an attractive women through my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember leaving uh, relationships, dating relationships, because it'd be somebody, hey, you want to smoke this joint or let's go pick up some booze or my parents, you know, and it just like, no, not going to do it. And so it was really ironic that that come 22, you know, there was that inner dialogue of, you know, hey, I'm going to lighten up, you know, I need to start building a social circle, especially I was working in media, uh, start, you know, going to college for it. And I really want to get rolling and, and, you know, everybody else that was in my, my major, that's kind of how it was. Um, so, you know started to lighten up and it's not that it took off. It took about a good, I would say five to six years before it started causing me any problems. Okay. How did you know that it was a problem? So you're in your late twenties then uh, roughly when you knew things were starting to be out of control, what were some of the, the red flags uh, that started to indicate that to you? Uh, in a very toxic relationship, um, you know, I, I, I'm stealing this quote from a friend of mine, Brianne Davis, who, who did a wonderful book on sex and love addiction. Uh, cause that's what she is. She kind of led me to this path of, of that help as well. And she said, uh, I remember a guy in one of my meetings saying I can quit heroin, but I can't quit her. And ah. it was a relationship that was very up and down, very toxic. And I had no coping skills. I didn't have the coping skills to get out of it. And to realize that, I, that the way I was acting and treating this individual and they were acting and treating me, you don't do that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the booze really took it away. Um, you know, I had tried, yeah, I tried different drugs and stuff like that. It, it, by, by the grace of God, none of it went, you know, oh, yeah, that cocaine, great stuff. Keep doing that. I, yeah. I didn't like any of this stuff. I didn't like pills, you know, none of yeah. it. But but the booze, uh, it took that pain away. And I could be social, you yeah. know, the thing I was afraid to do. So, um, yeah, it just uh, it became that coping mechanism because I could go, look, I'm having fun, right? Yeah. One of the things that you've 
talked about in one of your other interviews that I thought, and you mentioned it briefly here, is this, I had never heard, uh, you know, you, I, I've heard like sex addiction or, you know, um, people that are addicted to sex, but the but you have said sex and love addiction. And I'm so fascinated by that. And maybe I'd heard it before, but I, that's new to me. Uh, talk sure. to me more about the the love addiction, because I think that that for some reason that's resonated with me. I think it's a lot of what I've I'm looking back and going like yeah I was just looking for looking for love maybe in the wrong places and substituting alcohol for it is that what it what it is was for you or you know tell me more about that term because I love that absolutely I I you know I was I was unwilling to conduct myself in life in a way that was who am I how 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 do I what is fulfillment to me what is what is joy to me and so. With the love addiction part, and granted, sex was a part of it, primarily the pornography, um, mm -hmm. and not you know, and not that I you know, I don't know how do you say that? Like, it, it, I'm not proud to have to have said, yeah, I've had a, a good amount no. of sexual partners, but no, you know, no. it, sure, it comes along with it, but it is that constant act of looking for validation, someone else to fulfill you. Uh, you know, the love bombing. Well, you, we see it with celebrities where they're just, you know, just all over each other all the time. And we know we all know that shit's going to come to an end. We <laughs> all know that's a cycle. And so really, for me, it was uh, and people that I, I paired up with when that cycle, that initial, you know, the high of it all and the, you know, the crazy sex or whatever it was wore off, that drug wore off you know, and it was, uh, it was time to move along, be it they moved along from me, I moved along from them, uh, whatever it was. So, you know, there's a lot of depth to the, to sex and love addiction that a lot, some people go, oh, that's not real, but I don't know. There's a lot of people that get killed and uh, over it. There's a lot of people that get harmed over it, end up yeah. in jail and do some really stupid, crazy things about it. And you try to tell me that that's sober thinking. It is not. And, yeah. uh, you know, that was a thing that it, it really helped to uh, do this assessment. It's like 40 questions and it's like over your life. Have you been? And it's like, oh, wow, I got 35 out of 40. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, so so it was really, and it was so helpful to my recovery overall to really be able to look at that. And I'm a 12 step guy, yeah. and, and it helps so much from step one to four to to 12 to everything to 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 look at myself as a whole of of the deficiencies that I had. There was a reason that I drank. You know, I I wasn't confident enough to go and talk to the girl sober. Well, you know, get a couple of those liquid courages in you. Sure. Then at that point, doesn't matter who it is. And if they blow you off, you'll probably forget anyway. So, yeah. you know, it protected my fragile little ego in that area. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's the primary area that I had to do some work in before I was ever going to have a solid, uh, healthy relationship that wasn't based off an exchange of, toxic traits and trauma bonding. And, you know, there's so many facets to it that, that in how we connect with people. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I, that jumps out to me just from my own experience or insight recently is I, I said something to my, my uh, psychologist, I'm like, you know, I'm seeking validation from other people that only I can give to myself. And I don't know how to, how to do that. So like, can you talk to me about how you've 
um, in, in your recovery work, in that, in that step work or inside or outside that step work, you know, talk to me about how did you get to a place where you can validate your, you can give yourself that validation without seeking it from other people in, in terms of that addiction? I think one of the things that, that initially helped me was an individual. I want to say it's a gentleman that's become a mentor of mine, Greg Champion, who said this to me. He goes, no outside solutions to inside problems. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? And he goes, think about it. No outside solutions to inside problems. Yeah. And it was in that and that realization that uh, no one's ever going to complete me. You know, I'm a complete individual that that's not that would never even be a good partner to look for for the, the completion from another person. And if you think about it, that idea of a soulmate, it's really kind of the way that people put it. If you're not looking in the mirror and doing the work on that soulmate, that mm. is your soulmate. No one's ever going to know you as much as you know you. But you put that on somebody else. That's kind of a dick move. It if is. You think about it. It really is. And so, you know, through that work of being like, wow, wait a minute, all this happiness, my ability to see joy, self-worth, everything, it doesn't hinge on another person. Yeah. And it sounds silly saying it, but it was a light bulb moment. It's like, you know, holy heck, wow, higher power. You keep getting more awesome all the time. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, was that realization that just, you know what, if I, uh, if I just start digging into this life that, that, that is mine, that who I am, you know, searching for my purpose through being a service to others and, and just doing the next right thing, oddly life started to pan out better, Dana. I, I just, I yeah. didn't, I didn't, I didn't, not that I overly leaned on my kids for any kind of fulfillment. I don't, I can't recollect ever doing that, but it certainly made me a better father. I, I noticed boundaries starting, started getting better within the home and that's on all parts, my kids and my own. And when I started dating my significant other now, uh, her and I, I mean, it was a very abnormal first date because it was conversation about boundaries. Mm. What are our expectations? What do we, you know, what do we want out of life? And this is a person I had known for a long time, but I got clean, was working sobriety. And all of a sudden I saw them in a different light mm. because I didn't find them attractive before because they're at a total different level of being a healthy individual. Yeah. And so I was like, there's nothing toxic there. You mean I can't manipulate any of this? You know, it's like you, you, and the, and she just knows all my bullshit from having been friends. So it's like, wow, okay, I am blessed with an opportunity here to come as a whole person, vulnerable, uh, rigorous honesty, and everything else. And and so you know, we have to approach our sobriety and life that way. You know, this, yeah. these 12 step things, if you're working it, it's not just about how you're sobriety. It's about how you approach your life. And I'm sure many people going, no kidding, jackass. But for me, it took me some time to figure that out. I yeah. did not connect the dots. Well, and talk to me as part of the connecting the dots about your higher power, because that, um, in, another interview you had talked, I, th I think I'm remembering correctly. You had talked about, I I'd never heard ego and maybe this is a program term, but ego as edging God out. And, mm -hmm. and that really kind of hit me because, 
you know, as a former army chaplain, um, you know, part of you know, what's happened to me in the last couple of years is my relationship with God as I, as I knew him is kind of like vanished. It's not, there's like not even this desire anymore to, to like pray or to, to, to connect with the divine in, in the way that I had understood for 40, uh, 40 ish years. And, you know, as having been raised in a Christian home and then becoming a Christian minister, et cetera. And it's a long, it's a long sob story and a soap opera that I'll spare you and the listeners from, <laughs> uh, but basically, you know, one of my challenges has been, and, and this is not the thing that's kept me from doing, like I've read the big book or at least a, a, the first half of it uh, before the, the stories uh, go in. And, and it was very helpful for me when I was doing IOP a couple of years ago during COVID after I'd had a mental breakdown and um, had been inpatient for several days. Anyway, my my really long question here is just talk to me more about your relationship with your higher power, because that's sure. something that's um, really been kind of gnawing at me. And I know that it gnaws at, at other folks, whether it, it, AA or, or not, it doesn't necessarily have to be about that. But I just love that term edging God out. And I feel like that's what I've been doing. And I would love to hear you more talk more about all sure. this type of stuff. Sure, absolutely. I, you know, I, I grew up, you know, baptized Catholic, eventually went to, to Catholic school. Um, worst schooling experience I ever had. Lots of bullying there, um, you know, to, to kind of throw that in. So for me, it was kind of growing up and, and I went to church sporadically with my best friend's family, uh, Sunday school primarily when we were little. And I always thought, oh, you know, there's something greater out there. Um, but I didn't think it loved me or had a purpose for me. And after my rat last, uh, I had a relapse, unfortunately. Um, but fortunately, because I've learned so much, so I'm, you know, not bitter about it anymore. Um, on uh, the 14th of last year, uh, February 14th of last year. So I'll be coming up on, on two years. Is that right? Well, last year? Do you know? Two years ago. I can't do the math. I right got now, you. Dana. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I know it'll be two years this February 15th. Um, but he, he, my sponsor now, he said something like, uh, you know, bro, like it's it's just the God that I do business with. Mm. And there's something about that, that that clicked. And then it was, well, you know, what's lacking for me is thinking that I have any purpose, you know, even doing this podcast and, you know, before we got rolling, like, okay, yeah, I've talked with, with Charlie Sheen and, 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 and Hey, that's cool. But it's kind of like, to me, it was more about, am I, you know, helping a person? And I just didn't believe that I was serving any purpose. So when I changed it to the God I do business for, there's just something about simply writing that out, Dana, that changed yeah. it for me. Like actually just oh, wrote it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. The God I do business for. Okay. So it's not with it's for. So, okay. okay. I am now a vessel of purpose. If I frame things for myself that way. Okay. And I just started to have a lot more beautiful experiences that it just made it hard for me to ignore. Um, because I didn't have, you know, the hangovers anymore and, you know, all these other things that, that really shut down my senses to stuff that was going on. And I just started to feel a lot more of a flow going on with life. Um, an ability just to, uh, you know, boundaries were huge for me to start saying no period, 
and, and yeah. there was just a lot of things that started to to add up and then you know life presented me someone as a partner that is very uh spiritual you, you might say religious because she's christian but that conversation we can have there has started to enhance my life so it just made it really hard to ignore that there is something greater than me going on however you want to frame it and yeah. you know once i i've started to do that work and be able to look in the mirror and go i kind of like that guy uh you know it was another thing that made it hard to ignore that uh yeah, there's something bigger here at Motion. Too many pe good people have been presented in my life. Too many wonderful nuggets that whatever this brain caught what they were saying at the time or their actions and just kind of like, whoa, okay. And so, yeah, for me, it was just, it was just too hard to ignore anymore. Okay. And uh, how long did it take you of talking to yourself in the mirror that way, doing that mirror work or, or just that, that positive self-talk, how long would you say it took when, from the time that you started doing that until you really believed it? Cause I've uh, done a little, cause I've done a little bit and it's super uncomfortable. And so I don't do it again. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, terrible. It, it, it's it, it is uncomfortable, but I encourage everyone keep doing it. I know yeah. it seems a little ridiculous, ridiculous. Um, you know, you know, it's like I have days where I have to do it and I don't believe it Yeah. where I wake up or, you know, I suffer from depression, anxiety um, where I don't believe it or, you know, and and I have to then it's a time to ask myself, why is it I don't believe that, that I'm worth good things, that I am worthy of love, that I'm worthy of loving myself, taking care of myself you know, doing the next right thing, not worrying about the opinions of others, the, the long list of it. And yeah. oftentimes I can break it down to, yes, uh, I'm looking at out, uh, external things. Time to look back inwards about it and do a really good self-assessment on this. And so it's, it's going to be a never ending thing. And I'm okay with that. You know, I, yeah. I don't, I don't recollect a time where I started like the first day that I went, okay, you know, but I do remember it was probably about a good six. My sponsor now, he was awesome because he's like, you already know the steps. We're getting into it. And we finished step work in like two weeks or something. Wow. He's like, yeah, he was gung ho. And so it's probably about a good three, four months after working with him. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, tell me more about like what got, what took you into AA? Was it a, a friend that invited you or did you just kind of walk into a meeting yourself or what, what start, initiated the relationship there with, uh, with that, uh, organization that has done so much to help so many people yeah. to, to stop, not just drinking, but all sorts of things. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, the first time it was, I was actually still married to my kid's mom and, uh, I had a, a friend of mine, ironically a pastor, but he's also a, uh, clinical psychologist and so i was going to see him and and you know the drinking kept coming up and it was look i don't like that it goes on it's going on in the home i can't change the other person's behavior but i want mine to change and he goes mm. he asked me are you willing to go i'll go with you to your first meeting oh cool and that was gosh now that i do the math eight years ago awesome and so, you know, I, I, I did the work there for a while, had a nice stint of six months, but again, toxic relationship. We were both bringing a lot of different, different traits and just not the tools to reconcile past actions and, 
And so eventually a fall off and then, uh, you know, went through the divorce and then got another stint of, of sobriety and then a fall off and then got another stint of sobriety and then the last fall off. So, you know, it was a good eight years ago when I had my first experience with, with AA and, um, it was good for the most part there. The, the thing that kind of was a little tough for me and maybe it was being the newcomer, there was some, some old timers and I love the old timers, but there was a couple of them that, that now looking back were simply dry drunks. Mm. You know, the behavior hadn't changed and those were the people that for whatever reason, you know, in any little sidebar time kind of dug a little and it, it really kind of turned me off from, from returning there for a long time um, until I found some, some solid groups really during the, uh, the start of the pandemic was really when I kind of got back into it because I saw where stuff was going to lead me. I was going to be one of those unfortunate people as there's many an addicts not here anymore after that lockdown occurred. So, yeah. you know, Dana, I just, I had to dig in. I don't know how the lockdown affected you, but I do yeah. not do well with being told, you know, stay here. Don't go do yeah. this. Don't go yeah. interact with community. Don't, you know, none of it. It's like, no, that does not work well for me. Yeah, it, it definitely led it. I won't say it directly led to it, but it, but it certainly accelerated my, my downward spiral that spring. And uh, yeah, and we still see the after effects of it now with just mental health, you know, being such a, but at least we're, it seems like Americans are talking more about mental health these days. I would be curious to hear your, your thoughts on that aspect of our culture as you've interacted with, you know, some movers and shakers, past, sure. present and future uh, out in Hollywood and the entertainment industry. It seems to be, it seems like, um, you know, Charlie Sheen is one example right. of, you know, sobriety is, is being looked at in a different way. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. And what do you think we as a culture, and, and I said America, but I mean, I'm, I guess you could just say all of Western culture, maybe sure. uh, post- uh, COVID is thinking a little bit differently about mental health. Is that right? I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. The, the internet, especially social media can be a really wonderful place and yet the most dismal place at the same yeah. time. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I hope Dana, I really, really hope, but the hard part, I think for some people, and I know for me at one time was, wait a minute again it's back to that there isn't a solution outside of me mm -hmm. and so i sure hope people will start to realize that you know your fulfillment everything it's not in your selfies it's not it's not the yacht that that you're on that you happen to get the picture and everybody thinks you're balling but in reality it was just your buddies and you went up on it and you got a good picture yeah. and, and you know and you know you're and this is kind of sort of my story, pissing away all your money so that the girl, you can lie to the girl about how good life is. And she's sick, you know, so I, I hope, yeah, I hope, and I hope that people that, that, that see stuff like, uh, you know, anybody that I, I follow, it's, it used to be like, gosh, look at this guy. He's on a yacht and there's five hot chicks and whatever. That guy's so happy. And now I just go, Oh, okay. Whatever. Yeah. And if I even follow stuff like that anymore. Um, yeah. So I'm sure hoping that people are, uh, I'm hoping, especially our youth is getting a little bit more switched on. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they're having two teenagers and, and, and working for the nonprofit that I do where we are getting more and more parents coming to us that their kids have either 
OD'd, especially on fentanyl, or they've lost their children to it, is I, I hope there is something out there where the conversations are getting better, especially with young people, you know, young men. It's not unmanly to express your feelings if you're doing it in a healthy way. I don't mean coming in raging, throwing shit around and yeah. all that stuff. I mean, talking about it, talking like, God, I, I feel really insecure or, you know, hey, I asked out this girl, Susie, and, and uh, she said she's not interested. It's, you know, it's a, that that's like a what they call like a smaller T trauma. It's OK to have that. And it's OK to talk about that. Yeah. You know? rejection is a part of life with with certain things you know i didn't get into the college i want to i'll forget it all right i'm gonna go party with my friends and you know the stories have happened especially where i live you know that that's occurred and six months later this person is living on the streets um yeah. you know so i'm hopeful i encourage everyone please do you know don't uh, don't feel the shame don't feel the stigma you know like there's so many support groups of any kind. I don't care what you're going through. You know, I'm sure if the, if it's the, you know, I lost a, a limb or, or some phalanges at a, at a workplace accident. And it's, you know, it's really messing with, there's probably a group for it, whatever it is, you know, talk yeah. about it, get this yeah. stuff out because you know, our, our, our secrets can keep us sick. And, and I know they did for me. Um, so, yeah, I hope so. Gosh, I'm going to have to do, you know, I know I just recently joined your Facebook group and I'm in a lot of those and that's where I'm finding the good stuff, the good encouragement, the positivity. So, you know, seek it out, seek, seek it out. If the, you know, I don't know about you, Dana, I can't watch the news anymore. I don't, uh, I don't. Yeah. yeah. It's not something that, yeah, it's yeah, politics, you know, it's kind of people ask me, it's like, I don't think he, you know, I think it's just a big game, but, uh, you know, that's not this, this, uh, this type of show right now, because I could go on and on forever with that stuff. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's a tough, tough thing, but, uh, I try to just make sure that, you know, the, the four people in my walls, me, my kids, my significant other, that, that, you know, we have a good check-in with each other and I try to be there for others to the best of my ability as I can. So God, I hope so. I hope shows yeah. like this, what I do, uh, what so many other people are now doing, uh, you know, or as simple as open the door for someone when they're coming out of a store, even if they don't thank you or whatever, but you know, it's like, keep doing the next right thing as you see fit, you know, don't, don't, don't look at it for that, that validation. So, yeah. um, you well, know. talk to me some about the, uh, you mentioned your nonprofit. I'm glad you did because sure. I don't want to forget to ask you, please tell us more about what you do there and um, anything else. Sure. Uh, so parents and addicts in need, it's a pain parents and addicts in need. We're out of Fresno, California, the founder Flynn Anderson. He's 24 years clean opioid addict. He was literally the opioid king of, of Fresno at one point. A beautiful, wonderful man. We have an amazing staff. We um, there, I handle the social media. We do a podcast as well called "Don't Hide the Scars," which you'll definitely have to to come on and and talk. Um, Thank you. And and so much outreach. I mean, you know, we're we're speaking at schools, town halls, uh, handing out free Narcans to Narcan to individuals, organizations. You know, going in for training. Anyone that wants us to come in and really give them the true picture of addiction and kind of some insight on the addict's brain 
And, uh, you know, it's a really just a beautiful opportunity. We got 2021 uh, nonprofit of the year in California. So we're just, uh, you know, doing some good work. Uh, uh, Flint works close with legislators on, on trying to get some more, you know, funding, um, as we're seeing, especially with fentanyl, the amount of, of overdoses. And we've gotten some things past the, uh, the governor, one thing passed here, it's a drop in the bucket, but it's a start. And, uh, in addition to that, you know, a lot of the fundraising we do, um, we also give back and, and, uh, help people that, you know, can't afford, I don't know about, about where you're at, but boy, you know, the, the, the state insurance, you're not going to get treatment. You're not going to yeah. get into facilities. So if you're someone that, you know, it's opioids, it's, it's, you know, methamphetamines, fentanyl, you know, even alcoholics that, that need that detox period, you're not going to get it. So, yeah. you know, we've been really honored to, uh, to, to help or fully pay for people for anywhere from 30 to 90 days to be at a treatment facility. So hopefully get them that, 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 chance that it can stick and that they can get down the recovery journey and seek their sobriety that they're so worthy of. Awesome. And I am going to ask you one more question. Uh, at least that's the only question I, I still have right now. I don't, I don't okay. think I've got any others. Um, but this is the show for newly sober people who are learning to love ourselves instead of booze. And so I would love to ask you, Jason, like, what are some things that um, newly sober people uh, like me can do, especially around the holidays. I think this is going to air a couple weeks before Christmas. You know, what are some things that you do to show love to yourself? And what do you think are some things that uh, people who are early in sobriety like me can do uh, just in our ordinary day to day, just to get, to, can, to keep on keeping on doing that next right thing, sure. like you said? Uh, you know, I, I there's so we, <laughs> uh, sobriety is a trip we got so many little sayings don't we uh, <laughs> yes but but the first one that comes to mind to me is halt hangry are you uh hungry are you angry are you lonely are you tired, tired. you know yep. kind of doing that check-in and, and you know the holidays is is a tough time for that you know um you know if that anger's coming up is it especially with the holidays is it something surrounded is it something with a family member um, maybe you're, uh, you know, I, I had a situation of a female friend was, you know, family gathering. She was sexually abused by an uncle. The family wants to ignore it. I don't know what to do. Everyone's expecting me. Well, what would protect you not to see that person ever again? And no one else is, wants to acknowledge it. Okay. Well, that's your boundary. It's your life. Do you think it would push you to the point of wanting to use again? I think so. Well, you got to protect that at all costs, you yeah. know? So it's, it's, it's not just the, maybe the loneliness during the holidays, but that, you know, we all have some, some possible traumas with, with family members or yeah. things that, that are tough to sort out. And, and that takes two people. Sometimes we don't have a, a individual on the other side wanting to reciprocate. So, you know, I really just, I recommend doing any kind of assessment around this time. Does it, does it bring up negative emotions? Does it, are you feeling that anger? Are you feeling those resentments? You know, is, is it things where you can clean your side of the street? You know, that's, it's one of the tough things. My new sponsor was, you know, Hey, you missed some people from your first time around where you made apologies and making apologies, you know, you need to make amends. I'm like, well, they won't apologize for what they, what they did. And he goes, I don't give a shit. Yeah, this is about you. This is about you knowing what you do and what is right. So you do that. And 
yeah, I mean, I was right in that. No, I didn't get anything, but I, in return, but I did get to get that out and, and take that weight off of my heart. So, you know, um, and otherwise stay connected, you know, if you're new, uh, we got so isolated in our using that, that, you know, that, uh, that saying that's so true, the opposite of addiction isn't so bright, it's connectivity. Yeah. And so stay connected, stay connected with people this time of year. I mean, there's many a meetings if they're, they're not in person, uh, go online, you can find them that that'll be out there. If it's on a holiday, trust me, I know many of people that are going to hit meetings, Christmas Eve, Christmas day, New Year's Eve, New Year's day, they are out there in abundance. So just, you know, don't be afraid to reach out. Like, you know, Hey, Dana, you'll talk to people. I'll talk to people. Hell I yeah. use the best of Hell my yeah. ability. You know, I got buddies from, from uh, Australia now mm-hmm. to, uh, to right here in my own neighborhood. So, you know, just uh, stay connected. All right. Just yeah, please promise me if you're someone that is like the holidays are a trigger, stay connected, check your boundaries yeah. and, and do the next right thing for you. Yeah. And that's, we got to, we got to be connected to somebody, right? It's, this yeah. isn't so, sobriety is not, not a solo sport. Am I right about that one? Right. Yeah. It, 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 it truly isn't. And it doesn't have to be, and it's not set up to be like, you know, life isn't a solo sport. It, it's not, there's so much teamwork and stuff that goes on and controlled chaos to a certain extent that, you know, it, it, it's, it's about getting that foundation for yourself, you know, and a lot of people will talk about, you know, uh, recovering your, your, your life. Uh, well, I don't want that life just to right. make that clear. Right. I, w- yeah. I want something different. So for me, it's really, you know, a lot of it is the language that works for me. Like you get to do that. You don't have to, uh, you know, sit in any sort of, well, not that it has dogma. Some people perceive it that way, but you know, it's, it's for interpretation. It's, you know, you got to do what works for you in this recovery process, you know, and, and if you're seeking total sobriety, you know, some people uh, I know have done recovery work because they were doing crystal meth every day for a year, but for whatever odd reason, they can do what I cannot do. And that's pick up a drink once or twice a year and no big deal. So, yeah. you know, there's that big distinction between recovery, sobriety. I'm an individual. I have to do sobriety. I yeah. just do. But there's amazing work to be done. Well, I don't know. Some people, I do have nicotine pouches. Uh, that's the last <laughs> thing I'm trying to kick. But so some people may not say you're totally not sober. But for me, I, I do have to because yeah. it, it, it do the things that like, I don't know if you've heard this, but, you know, you will be restored to sanity. And I feel that now mm. I feel it. I, I, I make good decisions. I have had it where drinks have accidentally been handed to me and I've, you know, gone. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah. You got that order wrong. Uh, you know, so there's just so many wonderful things when you start to do the process be it if you want to do 12 steps or not but what but you really put that work in um i don't know this thing starts to work real different dana it just yeah, does man it certainly it does. does well and when you get to hear different perspectives uh from different people from all over the world too right you get yeah. to see 
the different approaches that we take, but there's so many commonalities and you get to find out, at least for me, I get to find out I'm not alone in this. I think I had a special kind of sick pride, you know, of like, uh, or it's twisted and demented that like, uh, nobody's, nobody's fucked up like I am, but the reality <laughs> is like the, we are not as unique. We're, we're, we're all unique, but we're not as unique as we think in certain ways. And, uh-huh. you know, conversations like this one have gone a long way and helping me to feel like, uh, like I'm not crazy and I'm not alone. And those two things are, are pretty big. Yep. And, and you're not, and you never will be, uh, you don't have to be, it is a yeah. choice and the work is tough, but again, it's a choice. And, and I highly recommend anybody do the work. Cause when you start to get on the other side and there's going to be things, it's not like the shit goes away. It's yeah. just life. Life has shit. It happens, you know. It's it's like uh like yeah. I told my my kids not that long ago. There was I forget what kind of issue. And I went, Hey, see that field next to our house? Yeah, you know what grows out there? Almonds. Yeah. You like almonds, right? Yeah. Do you like it when they fertilize that field? No, because it smells like crap. And I go, Yeah, but eventually those almonds grow and you get to enjoy that. It's just how it goes, you know. Yeah. 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 The fruits of labor grow out of shit sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, guys. It's and we all live, okay. It's a perfect analogy or story because we live right across the street uh, from a farm. And when the wind is right, then there it is. Me too. And, like, thank you for this goal that you've given to uh, my audience for how to think about these things, especially this time of year, how we have to put ourselves first. And the line that jumps out at me the most that I think will be the title of the episode is no one will ever complete me. Uh, that's it. I am complete already, I think is what is what you said. And I think that that's brilliant. And I wanna thank you for taking time to come on the show with me, man. Oh, Dana, my pleasure. We wanna thank you all for tuning into this episode of I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. Until next time. Al, Spruce, and Jason and I bid you uh, adieu and send you our best sober vibes by saying goodbye alcohol and hello life. Much love to you all and peace.